0: On this episode of the Golf.com podcast, we're going to make golf great again. We're going to try and eliminate every awful stereotype that exists out there in the golf world. Now, Jim Rome did this years ago on his radio show, outlining Golf Guy. Search Jim Rome, Golf Guy, and you'll find the entire take online.
1: I love golf. I like guys who play golf. I belong to a
0: golf club. All right, so that's, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I like golf. I like guys who play golf. I hate Golf Guy. Everybody hates Golf Guy, except Golf Guy. We're here to expand upon it. By we, I mean myself, your host, Sean Zock, and the one and only Tron Carter. If I'm a redshirt junior at golf.com, then Tron is probably a graduate professor at No Laying Up. If you follow him on Twitter at the handle TronCarterNLU, you'll know he has many opinions. That's why he's here. That and just like you, he plays a lot of golf going to play a ton of golf up in Boston this weekend, but right now we're going to talk about the people that annoy us on golf courses and why you shouldn't become or act like any of those people. People that are playing on golf courses or people that are just out there watching golf at a PGA Tour stop. Tron, welcome to the podcast. Are you ready to vent?
1: Uh, I'm always ready to vent, Sean. Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, let's start at the tee box then. For me, the single most annoying thing any golfer can do is insist upon playing from the tips, playing from the black tees, the group of guys who play from as far back as possible on every hole and insist upon seeing the whole course. It generally doesn't work out for them. These people upset me.
1: A hundred percent agree there. That's uh, a pace of play is a big bugaboo for me. So, um, you know, anything that's anything that clogging everything up just drives me nuts. Um, yeah, you know, I feel like people have a tendency to over overstate or overrate their own games too. And it seems like those same guys that are always playing from the tips or insist on playing from the tips are those same guys that always insist it used to be a scratch.
0: Yeah, like hey, I'm it's, sorry, yeah, but somewhere down the line, your, your handicap has inflated um, tenfold in the past four or five years.
1: You're not yeah, quite scratching. Yeah, scratch and, you're, and you're blowing past 80. <laughs> you know, no problem.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a that's one thing that. Uh, it's very it's very rare you come across a course where there's a, the starter actually tries to influence that. I think that'd be great if if courses with starters actually checked people at the gate. They do it. At, they try to do it at Bethpage Black. I know that's probably one of the courses where playing from the tips happen happens way more than it should. But actually having a starter that says, "Hey, what's your handicap? You're not playing from these tees. You're not allowed you're not allowed to play from these tees." Yeah.
1: Wait, is there somebody out there that I mean? Do they have a spiel too? Does anybody ever give it back to him? Like, hey, you know, I'm a decent player. And...
0: Well, I've only played Beth Page twice. I've played it uh, from the tips both times, and probably played poorly enough to deserve to play from other tees, to be honest. But they they tell you say, obviously, they've got the iconic sign. It says, if you, this is for advanced, this course is for advanced players only. If you are not a good, mm-hmm. you know, get on get on another golf course. And people aren't gonna. They're not going to change their tee time based off that, but there are at Whistling Straits. I know they the caddies are kind of in charge of saying, "What What do you normally play from? What's your handicap? All right, fifteen handicap. You should play from the sixty seven hundred yard tees. You should not go Mm -hmm. anywhere near the seven thousand yard tees at Whistling. You don't like that's just not your game."
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a service that they're providing to the rest of the yeah, kind of like the whole protect the field thing with. You know the PGA Tour. It's like, hey, protect the rest of the field on a Saturday afternoon. Don't subject us to six or seven hour rounds.
0: Now, now you and then the crew at No Laying up. Uh, I I at least tend to think you guys are pretty good players. You guys play from the back tees.
1: Uh, you know what? It's kind of I do whenever I'm out there playing. But you know, if, if I'm a, if I'm playing at somebody else's course and you know, I'm fine playing from whatever tees. I, I think. On some courses, it's you know it's almost more interesting, more strategy to to have to dial it back a little bit. And I probably shouldn't be saying that because <laughs> every time I've ever like pulled anything but driver, I I always get a earful full from everybody I'm playing with just because of the no laying up thing. But yeah, um, but you know I I think it adds another layer of of strategy and just nuance to the course when you you know you do try to work the ball a little bit more and instead of just bashing over the dog leg.
0: We'll we'll try our best to not make you um, lo- lose any <laughs> allegiance with with no laying up here. Bottom line, play from the right tee box. Ask someone what tee box you should play from. You're not that long of a hitter. Yes, those tees are for advanced players. That's not you.
1: I've got a, I got a couple of buddies that they do, they show up, they insist on showing up like thirty seconds before our tee time, <laughs> like just just Rolls Royce it out of the car straight past the range. Barely even check in in the clubhouse and just go out to the first tee, still tying their shoes, you know, when I'm, I'm hitting my tee shot. It, it drives me nuts. Wait, why? I don't know. It just, it just uh, everything feels rushed. It makes me feel rushed. It's just, you know, they're, it's like I, I was out drinking the night before. I'm hungover too, but I had to courtesy <laughs> to everybody else to show up 15, 20 minutes early.
0: Yeah, golf is not a uh, – it's never going to be a four-hour uh, excursion. It's, you've got the, the excursion to the course. You've got your warm-up if you need it. You've got your round, and you've got your ride home. And uh, So make it a courtesy to everyone else. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I just, it just pisses me off when somebody just shows up. Like when you're wondering if they're going to show up on the first tee or not, when you've you got your tee in the ground almost, and they're finally pulling up in the parking lot. Yeah, just be Be a professional.
0: Be a professional. Show up at the right time and play the right tee box. On to the next part of the course. Let's move to the first green, and someone that I would type, to, I would stereotype as the gimme solicitor. This guy, statistically speaking, is a great putter. That's because he two-putts everything better than all other amateurs because he's always asking for three- and four-foot gimmies. He sets the tone for the entire round on the first hole when he lags his 30-footer to three feet, picks up his own ball and says, yep, that was good. I hate this. I hate this because those are missed putts waiting to happen. And countless playing partners of mine are just out there grabbing putts like it's a done deal.
1: That's definitely that's definitely up there. And I've noticed since I've moved up to the Northeast, I'm not sure what it is about it up here, but people tend to play the ball out more here. So they, you know, and I've just really? it's been staggering how much how much people how much more people miss short putts up here because they're actually putting them.
0: Really? So so you're saying yeah. that this is geographical?
1: I think it's geographic. Yeah, I came from Atlanta, uh, moved in November, and I can honestly say that at least here in, in Boston and the surrounding areas, people are more adamant about playing the ball out. And I'm not sure if that's just a selection of the people I've played with or the fact that we tend to play a little bit more match play than normal, but it's it's definitely a trend.
0: Yeah, I don't think that you're just calling out Atlanta golfers here. I think that there is a trend with a lot <laughs> of people that that really think, hey, you know, I make that putt eight times out of ten. I probably made it. And that's the thing is, like, once you set the tone, you know that if someone sets the tone with a three-foot gimme on the first hole, you almost expect to get that kind of treatment the rest of the round. And I'm, I'm not a great putter, but I think the best players make those putts. And too many people – that aren't worthy of being called the best player, they miss those putts. It, it, it just gets to me because uh, you're really just lying to yourself, right? The, the golf. Well,
1: the only exception I have, though, is like, let's say somebody's playing. I mean, but the aforementioned guy that showed up on the first tee, just on playing from the tips, you know, he's putting for double par <laughs> out there in the first hole. Is that still, are we still upset about that guy? Okay. no nope, no
0: i guess i guess what you're saying and i agree it should be relative if your buddy uh he, he pumped two out of bounds and he's just struggling to get there he blows his first one past the hole cozies the next one up to three feet there's nothing wrong with asking for a gimme i don't think in that sense, or giving it to him
1: yeah that one that one can be at his discretion because he's probably hopefully out of the hole yeah, at that point but that, uh
0: definitely Bottom line, stop asking for gimmies because your friends aren't going to really say no, right? Are they really going to make you are they make you putt it out? And they rightfully, they should. But if your ball isn't inside of 12 inches from the hole, in my eyes, you're not good. Uh, you miss those putts, and your dream of breaking 80 is whisked away. But don't take those gimmies. Just be real with yourself. Stop lying to yourself.
1: Yeah, and, and practice a little bit of gamesmanship, too. It's just kind of sad. It's like... It's uh when somebody's asking for those, it's you know, it's kind of a bitch move.
0: On to the next topic. Let's move to the sixth hole where we find excuses, guy. Generally, by the sixth hole, you know what kind of score you're gonna post that day or what type of score you can post. You know if you're playing well and you definitely know if you're playing poorly. If that's the case, do not blame your golf clubs. Don't blame the weather. Don't blame the car horn from off in the distance. Don't recount that epic round last week where you played so much better. Excuses are annoying as anything on the golf course, but Tron, you don't make excuses, right?
1: I try not to. Um, sometimes I'm, sometimes I am a little bit hungover out there, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I try to not even make that an excuse. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, play the ball as it lies and and accept accept the. The bounces that you're given, I guess, is, is kind of how the saying goes. So, yeah, end of the day, uh, you're out there playing golf. I think you know, don't don't overcomplicate it, and don't don't kind of fluff up your own expectations. You That's know?
0: the thing. Expectations is the biggest thing to me. I think anyone who's out there making a bunch of excuses on the golf course is someone who just has their mis- their expectations misplaced. They don't have them really calibrated uh, to fit their actual game. And that's that's one of the inter- most interesting things about amateur golf is, you know, everyone's defined by a number that handicap that fluctuates both in their mind and, and in reality, and uh, it that that number always makes us appreciate the the greatest rounds more and uh, the worst rounds less. And uh, oh, absolutely, we we, we don't uh, we don't we don't remember the worst rounds we play, remember the best rounds we play, and you know what. You've probably talked about it way too many times, and everyone else doesn't want to hear it anymore.
1: <laughs> what, all right, so what's your stance on... I think there's a fine line between being intense, getting angry if you, if you hit a poor shot, especially if you are playing pretty well, and almost self-flagellation and just getting absolutely down on yourself. Like where it's where do you draw the line? Because yeah. because like, I feel like that same this same guy that we're talking about at the end of the day he's probably wearing like he's probably dressed you know dressed up in Ricky Fowler Puma flatbill bill hat and he's he's probably got a white belt on and such but you know that's the guy <laughs> we're talking about here yeah and uh, you know he's he's probably snapping clubs in anger or helicopter and stuff down the fairway.
0: That's uh, you yeah. know, that's one thing I I really can't handle. I can't handle the guy who's throwing clubs, uh, the guy who thinks every shot needs to to not only hit the green but hit the green inside of twelve feet. You know, the guy who 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 in a in a no laying up sense he hits the green but lands like thirty thirty feet away, and he's out there. You know, he dropped his club at impact and and all that stuff. I can't handle that. I just I I can't I can't get with someone whose expectations are so high. Now, it's it's tricky because, you know, the guy who gets really down on himself is just not a joy to be around. And granted, they might, they might not be playing their best. They're probably playing their worst round of the year, maybe, or their worst round of the month. But that's the kind of stuff that, that can weigh on other people. You don't want to be in a group where someone's playing so poorly that they're cussing left and right. They're becoming a distraction. They're not fun to be around. You can't talk to them. That's the thing, I think. When guys get all flustered, they get upset on the golf course, they just shut it down. They don't want to talk to you about anything else. They don't want to talk to you about your great shot. They won't say, "Hey, good shot, buddy." They're they're focused so yeah. in, so intently on their own game that they're not even bringing up anything else that's going on.
1: And that's something I th- I feel like the more poorly I play, the less I focus on the people's games that I'm playing with. Mm. It's you know, tough. whether it's whether it's courtesy and etiquette, or you know, whether it's just just uh, you know, kind of pumping them up a little bit after they're good shots. It it seems like there's a, there's a disconnect there, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people. I tend to, I don't want to say I'm like Steve paid the volcano, but like, (laughs) you know, I tend to get pissed, do it quickly and then just get it out of my head, like move on with it where my favorite thing to do, especially with long irons is, and it's just like a visceral reaction for me where, so you ever watch Gary Woodland and he just releases the club, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it's, it's almost like a part of his swing at this point. Um, yeah, you know, I kind of eject from the swing sometimes that's, that's about as bad as I'll get. And then literally say probably a one or two line string of expletives at myself. And then I'm like, all right, it's out of my system, you know, and then I forget about it. So, so that's but, your, that's
0: your but release, that's, that's but that's kind of how, kinda
1: how right? I self medicate. Yeah if I am playing real well, to not sulk about it moving forward.
0: So so when you say you Gary Woodland it, you are you letting go of the club in your backswing and letting it fly a little bit right behind you?
1: I'm not even letting it fly. I'm just, it's like it's coming all the way around my body and then, you know, and then it, I'm kind of like, yeah. Dropping it or or almost directing it down almost to where the ball was. Oh yeah. you know, like around my head. There, that there, sort of
0: thing. <laughs> there are some tour pros that as you said, it's almost part of their swing. Like they let go, like Justin Rose will do it. It's like it's at the absolute I feel end. like
1: Justin Rose, he does the helicopter one too. Where he kinda where he just like one arm it's it's almost like a Fred McGriff. Like he <laughs> one arms it and then <laughs> just kind of lets it swing up there for a little
0: bit. It's amazing, though, the guys that it it'll uh, I think maybe Hideki is a decent example too, is that he, yes, when, when they let it go, right it's at the absolute end of their swing, or at least it has to be very near that where it's just like you're letting it go. the it's it's been on this like almost linear motion and you let it go at the perfect point where it just goes right back to the ground and like sits there, like you almost checked it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's a, it's a definite skill. Um, you know, I think it's, it's somewhat fulfilling too. It just kind of lets you release that bad energy. That's That's at least how I feel.
0: art form. Uh, it's an interesting art form. I wonder if, uh, if you asked a tour player his thoughts on that, what, uh, what they'd say, because there's, as you said, Gary Woodland, maybe Hideki, there's a group of, a group of players that they've got it nailed down and like what do they think what do they think about the 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 actual art that they're performing?
1: It's it's psychological too. I think it almost makes yourself feel better and then you're kind of refining it as you go along, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So question for you, what is the worst what's the worst example of an on course temper tantrum or poor poor form you've seen on the course with regard to club throwing or breaking clubs mm. or anything like that?
0: Poor form. Growing up on a golf course, uh, working on a golf course, and it's this is probably a bit inflated because of that. But anytime that you're doing something that's like severely damaging the course, anytime that you are doing uh, – like you'll throw up your putter in the air to the point where it's like, oh, crap, how do I catch this thing? And it come to, comes mm-hmm. down and severely dents the green or – you're splashing around in the, the sandbox uh, next to the green and you like take a couple more like deep swings because you duffed it or uh, you, you swing uh, back at your at, near your divot from your approach in the fairway and you just dig up like some crazy carpet. That kind of stuff yeah. gets to me. And it's, it's really, it's really not as bad. Some people would say as out, you know out there cursing up a storm or throwing clubs at the cart, but anytime that you're, like, damaging the course, the course that everyone else is playing on, the course that was in pristine shape at, at some point and, and people work their lives around to, to keep it that way, anytime that you're you're letting your rage take it out on something like that, that just kind of gets to me.
1: I had a kid. I, I played in a tournament one time growing up. This guy was a pretty good player, and we'd been paired together at a few other tournaments. And, I mean, he played pretty well that day, but he just he, he hit every fairway, and he just was not hitting his irons real well. So... After the round he (laughs) we sign our scorecards. This is up at Lake Lanier in North Georgia. We sign our scorecards and then he proceeds to walk about thirty yards kind of between the parking lot and the clubhouse and the eighteenth green. And then he just sets his clubs down and he broke every single one of his clubs (laughs) in half (laughs) over his knee. (laughs) And these were I mean, this is probably a yeah, you know, at least a twelve hundred dollars set of irons, like they were Mizuno <laughs> irons, and then so I'm paired with him the next day. It's a three day tournament. I'm paired with him the next day. Oh, no. He shows up with a brand new set of irons. His dad got for him. It was just just like a instant gratification or instant <laughs> affirmation that yeah. like that's okay to do. I was I was like thirteen or fourteen. I was just I was appalled. I was aghast. It was incredible. <laughs> Wait, did
0: he did he play better than you that next day?
1: He beat me both days. That was like the most demoralizing thing about it, you know? Like, I, you know, I was out there. I had a good time. It was junior golf, whatever. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and then, yeah, he just, just, it was like nothing ever happened. The next day, he just showed up on the first tee, and he was like, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> New
0: sticks so. in the bag.
1: Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jeez. Yeah, I imagine that can be a little bit demoralizing anytime someone takes it to you with with two different uh, set of sticks in the bag. Uh, regardless, bottom line, y- golf is not so breakneck that you have to literally almost break someone's neck. Don't get so flustered out there. Don't be making excuses. It's not the arrow. It's often the Indian pretty much every single time. If you really believe the equipment is at fault, get some new sticks and maybe take it to Tron Carter for two days in a row. But for the sake of everyone uh, within <laughs> earshot, please just – Stop making excuses. Next topic. Let's go to the 12th hole or its whereabouts. This guy has no name. There's nothing special. They just play slow. They go diving into the trees when they pump a ball or two out of bounds. They visualize every shot like they're playing for a green jacket. They size up the green from 300 yards away, waiting for it to clear just in case they pure it. Tron, these are the people and it might fit in with a bit of the no-laying-up mentality. These are the people who set the pace for the golf course by playing slow at 5 hours and 15 minutes.
1: All right, so a couple things about those people. I've always found, without fail, that those people have a, like a circle, that line on their ball. So when they're lining <laughs> up a putt, like they they spend an enormous amount of time just making sure that the line is exactly, you know, however they misread the putt, it's it's aimed exactly there. And then without fail, they always either pull or push the putt. And then the line was wrong in the first place too. So so that straight line is just wobbling around on the ball when Mm. they hit it. Um, So that's one thing. But yeah, just just reading the putt from six different angles. Um, And then I think the other thing, with these people that I is a common theme is they always seem to they always seem to look in the wrong spot for their ball too. <laughs> like is, is that something you notice where like I've got a friend, he's decent, but he takes forever and whenever and he does this to other people too. So let's say I hit one into the trees on the right or, you know, just kind of you know kind of into a sketchy area. He'll he'll always like his Concept of where the ball landed or or how he hit it or how yeah. I hit it is always so skewed
0: way off. that
1: Yeah, like we're looking for the ball like 60 yards away from where it actually
0: yeah. went in or
1: where it actually was
0: Like were you is even that watching that you like, were you, you even watching with? my ball flight? That's what I, I agree yeah, with you the, Exactly if, you, if anyone has ever caddied in their life generally that does does uh, does a couple things it kind of teaches you a little bit about the service industry, but it also teaches you how to track a golf ball through the air, track it where it'll land, watch the ground about where it's going to land, and see where it goes into the crap or it goes into the trees, goes into the hazard, whatever. But some people, and it's not just because you didn't caddy in your life, but some people just can't do it. They just can't understand, all right, which tree is which tree. You, the trees off in the distance, or at least from the tee box, apparently look so much different when you're up there close to them in person such that you would be guessing. And uh, yeah, that's, that's certainly something because that, that, that definitely slows people down.
1: Like, I just don't understand how somebody doesn't have a concept of how far, you know, especially if they play a lot, how far they hit the ball. If they hit it well, how far they hit the ball, you know, let's say how far they hit a seven iron. If they hit it well, how far they hit a seven iron, if they don't hit it quite as well. You know, it just, it just doesn't compute with them. I just don't, that's something I'll never understand how, like that's just in a neat sense that, you know, you play enough golf, you should be able to kind of ascertain that.
0: You can make it a lot easier by knowing your game, which everybody knows how far you, or at least they have an idea, how far they hit the club, how far they hit the ball. And uh, that, that's how you make it easier. And and if you don't find it, to me, figure it out, hit another ball. That, that That's the thing is like people who spend 10 minutes searching for a ball, people who spend anything mm-hmm. more than five minutes, people who spend, to me, even more than, like, three minutes. If you can't find your golf ball, you haven't tripped over it yet, no one stepped on it, you're not
1: going to find it. Well, there's sometimes I go out, I just refuse to look for balls, like, even if it's my own. You know, I'm not trying to be rude to who I'm playing with. It's just, you know, if I'm not playing to really grind, like, I don't care that much about my score to where I'm going to traipse around and get poison ivy <laughs> and – you know, roll my ankle in the woods and you know grind on a lost ball that I'm probably not going to find. You know, if I knew I pumped it far, far enough, yeah, far enough in there. You know, but that's just, that's so it just kills the momentum of a day when you when you go out there and you're constantly looking for somebody's golf ball.
0: Yeah, and it's not even it's not even just the out of bounds part that we're talking about that slows people down, but the amount of time that people spend reading greens can be incredible to me. And the grant you can think about it, your thirty five foot putt is probably going in maybe once, maybe twice a summer for a lot of amateurs. You, you mm-hmm. know that you know that it breaks right to left. You don't know how much, but just make a guess. Like you, you you understand where the ball's gonna go. You've got that figured out. Now just hit the ball. I think that Yeah at
1: some point it's just gravity, you know? <laughs> just, just best guess. And then I feel also like people I'm always best when kind of a reactionary thing, you know, when I just step up to it and hit it, the longer I take the shittier I tend to play.
0: Yeah. The more, the more, the more times you look at a putt, you know, there's a theory that you should never look at a putt really from, uh, not necessarily from beyond the hole, but if you have a downhill putt uh, or if you have an uphill putt, why would you, why would you read the ball from above the hole? There's, Mm -hmm. there's people that say that that makes zero sense. No, I think uh, watching the people on the guys that play on tour that are, sitting over three-footers, yeah, that's that's something because tour player is going to set an example for a lot of people, but we're not at that level. So, you know, take your odds and roll, run with it. But anyways, uh, a lot of these decisions that people make on every single hole, they slow down you, they slow down your partners, and they slow down the round of golf for just about everybody out there. So don't play slow. Next topic, let's move on to maybe about hole 16. Where the finish line is finally in sight. But because of some of those slow players, Tron, we come up we've we've got maybe a a group of four who kind of limping their way in. They they're not letting anybody play through. And that's part of the reason why we get slow play on a golf course. The people that won't let others play through, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves on a golf course.
1: Absolutely. It's uh yeah, that's maddening, especially when it's on the first It's one thing if it's on 15 or 16, but it's another thing if it's on like the third hole or the fourth hole. And the problem, though, is I find, you know, a lot of times on the weekends, especially, you'll go out and people's excuses, well, you weren't going anywhere, anywhere. There was a group in front of us, you know, and well, that group's group's two or three holes ahead now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then we can push them. And it's, you know, it's just a matter of keeping everybody accountable and not just.
0: So can we? Not just,
1: yeah.
0: Can we come up with a system then? So, for when players need to let other groups play through. So, so if you're uh, any more than one person, and there's a single playing behind you, I say automatically let them play through. If oh, absolutely. If there's one yeah. single, if if you're playing as yourself, you should be able to go through any group that's that's larger than one.
1: Uh, to play- me, it's like I I don't know why you wouldn't want to let people play through. Like I hate it when people are riding my ass on the golf course. And yeah, you feel weird about like, it. Yeah, I feel like they're just looking, you know, just staring staring me down, staring down the back of my neck, like every shot, you know, just, or they, you know, they make it a point to show up on the first, just, just play through me, you know, like you, really, if you're in that big of a hurry, cause I, I play fast. I'm probably, you know, like my brother and I went out in Montana last week. We played, walked 18 holes, like three hours and 10 minutes, three hours and 20 minutes. Like I, I don't understand how it takes longer than four hours to play around the golf, but if you're playing a four hour round is it's forcing? perfectly fine. 4 hours and 15 minutes perfectly fine. Anything above that that's that, that's an issue. Yeah. You know?
0: you're doing something wrong. I think I think if you have uh, if you have also if you have two more in your group than any other player. So if you're a foursome and there's a twosome behind you, you need to let them play through as well. I, yeah. I I think that if you look at just the average times of how how foursomes finished compared to how twosomes finished as you said with your your brother. It's it's wildly different. You need to let two players play through, and I say, uh, if also if a group, as you said earlier, if a group is waiting for you, regardless of how big they are, if a group is waiting for you on every single shot that they hit, number one, maybe get off the course, but two, you need to let them play through.
1: And then, I mean, also, it's not like you have. I think it's more of an imposition to play through somebody than it is to let somebody play through. Because I like 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 I know when I when I play through anybody. I never hit a good shot. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always I'm always just rushing, just trying to trying to get out of their way, you know, trying to be gracious about it. But I, I actually enjoy it when people play through. You know, let's say I'm in a foursome when Tucson's playing through. Get to see their you know, especially if you're up by the green on a part three. Yeah. Get to see their shots come in, you know, get to see them spin the ball, especially if it's a couple of good players. Like I I think that's always entertaining.
0: Yeah. Well and so, also you know, foursome of let's say Senior citizens out there, uh, guys that are going to play slow just out of their physical capabilities, take a break. Take a 10 minute break. Let me mm-hmm. and Tron gallop on through here and get on to the next hole and get out of your way and not be hitting stingers into you while your buddies are leaving the green. I, I think that you, you, you got to just, you got to appreciate golf for what it is. And you know, I think that people get their blinders on. They think, okay, I own the golf course. This is, uh, this is me and my three friends. we got our foursome, and we're not thinking about anybody else. That's like the for so many reasons that is the worst thing that you can do as a golfer.
1: Oh, absolutely, it's just bad for the game i mean there's nothing There's nothing more frustrating than going out peeing you know, off like midday on a Saturday and having a six hour round just, I, you know, know. I would rather like I would rather have sat, sat at home on my couch.
0: bottom line the last thing anybody wants to do is finish their round on the 14th or 15th hole because play is so slow and i know um living in the jam-packed city of new york city i've had to do that a couple times at these city course city courses that uh you know they go at like eight minute intervals off the first tee and you're going to play a essentially a five, hour round it's just it is pretty ridiculous, um, but the thing is about about someone who wants to play through, they're gonna they're gonna smile, they're gonna they're gonna play as fast as they can probably to get out of your way, and they're gonna say thank you. Yeah, just uh, I mean,
1: some, I've I've had people buy me beer in the clubhouse afterwards. Yeah, let <laughs> them play through on one of the first holes, you know. And just like, hey man, like no problem, you don't have to do that, but it's a nice gesture.
0: Now, uh, I've kind of gone through the the list of things that, that irk me, that irritate me, that annoy me on a golf course. And as I said earlier, this is kind of built out of, uh, Jim Rome's take golf guy, Jim Rome's like eight or nine minute take. You can find it on YouTube. All you have to do is search Jim Rome golf guy. And what he does is events about golf guy guys that ruin golf for other people. And I knew, I just knew before I asked you that you were going to be a Jim Rome fan. And, uh, one of those things that Jim Rome talks about is one of those things that uh, those characteristics that make up golf guy is the guy who is all logoed out. He's got every logo on his body, he's matching. And as you kind of alluded to earlier, someone who's wearing a little Sunday orange, Ricky Fowler, Puma style. What I feel like that's a take that you didn't really jump in at as much earlier as I think you are capable of. Why don't you like the guy who's just dressed head to toe in blaze orange?
1: I don't even have a problem. I mean, I'm so conflicted on this because on the one end, you're out there playing golf, more power to you. Just be, you do you, you know, because like, like for instance, I was out at one, played with a dude in New Hampshire a couple weeks ago and we show up and these guys, this guy's out on the range, this guy that I'm not playing with, but who's in the group behind us, show up on the range and he's, it's like, 85 90 degrees out he's wearing long pants which I always feel like is most of the time that's kind of a red flag oh yeah and this guy had had a matching like Ian Poulter visor
0: oh no with,
1: with it was a pink visor pink shirt <laughs> like navy slacks and then pink custom foot joys oh yikes so yeah so for me you know, some of those people that actually put a lot of thought into it versus a guy that just, yeah, I mean, anybody wearing Ricky Fowler flat bill hat, um, that's kind of hilarious, but <laughs> especially if it's a 55 or 60 year old guy, I mean, that's that's probably my favorite thing about going to, to PGA Tour events is just like there's always going to be at least half a dozen of those guys that you see out there on the course just watching the event, and then it's like I think it's almost more fascinating to see what people wear to golf tournaments. Oh, it's hilarious to see what people. Where to play golf?
0: I absolutely love it. I know you're on. Keep going if you want to, but I, I love this take.
1: <laughs> um, like for instance, all right, so it's down at the players, and I guess la- I guess this year they gave since Ricky won last year, they always give the media like a a gift, and uh-huh. so we were standing with a couple media people down there, and the gift that they gave him was like a signed picture of Ricky in <laughs> a flat bill hat. Like this blue Puma flat bill hat, which, like on any of those media guys, most of whom are <laughs> stodgy ass, forty, fifty, sixty year old white guys. yeah, like the the thought of them wearing a flatbell hat is just <laughs> incredibly hilarious to me. And then you add to that, um, you know, I mean, some sometimes when people just the stuff that people buy, like the stuff that they think, it's either somehow it looks cool or somehow it looks comfortable or all the above just will never cease to amaze me. Like like I could walk around a PGA tour superstore or one of those big box golf stores and just I cringe at like seventy five percent of the stuff on the shelves in there. Oh yeah. As far as apparel goes,
0: you can uh, you can certainly you could you could go into one of those stores and piece together outfits and and then go to that tour staff and be like, I know that there will be ten people wearing this outfit today.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's incredible. So I like I, I appreciate the people more that they don't give a sh- they don't care at all what they're wearing out there on the golf course. And it's like I've got a friend who who he loves to play, but he does not like to. Uh, he wears batting gloves. He he grew up playing baseball, and he's actually a pretty decent golfer. But he he's got such a firm grip that he just rips through golf gloves. So he either wears batting gloves or rain gloves whenever he goes out. Double gloves.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, you know, like I, for instance, I don't I don't like to play in shoes. So okay, you know, if I have to play, like if if the course requires you to play in shoes, sure I play in shoes. But you know, sometimes I'll go out and just vibe on like a. You know, weeknights, 5 or 6 p.m., go play nine holes at, at dusk. And, like, I hate to wear shoes in that instance. I like to putt barefoot. I like to, you know, I don't, I don't have any problem with anybody you gotta, mixing you gotta, it up out there. You got to
0: explain why first. You got to explain why you like that. I've heard that. I've heard people do that, but I want to, I've never known exactly. It just,
1: why. I just, it's got, I don't know. I, it helps me with my balance. Uh, okay. It just, you know, feels cool on your feet when you're walking on the green
0: it keeps you it from swinging better. out of your shoes literally going. what's that it keeps yeah, you from yeah. swing, swinging swinging too hard
1: yeah actually it does it does help with your tempo um i think you you probably lose a little bit of power just because you, you yeah. got a little bit more foundation stability but i found that like around the greens with my wedge shot like you feel the elevation change a little bit better you feel oh. the stance a little bit more okay um and then just on the greens it just it's like the coolest feeling in the world um and it's better for the greens it's yeah. better for the course you know? yeah
0: that's true yeah. uh one one of the people that uh never ceased to amaze me at the pga tour golf course that are out there as fans is the let's let's peg him as the 26 year old like six foot three tall guy who actually did wear slacks and uh a white belt and he's got like a really tight fitting shirt he, he looks he looks like a, a tour pro at the Masters this year, walking around Augusta, there are like four or five guys that I, I would have mistaken for a guy like Chris Wood, who's like tall, lean, yeah, built yeah, and the no, yeah, it's just
1: like a total tryhard or like somebody who you, you even think they're like a swing coach or something <laughs> like somebody's somebody's guru is out there following him, and then you realize, no, it's just just Joe Schmo and just he decided he wanted to be you know. Mr. Pro,
0: no. Nope. Uh, this could be like yeah, that. Go ahead.
1: That's pro- That's probably you know Like like my wife. She loves coming to PGA Tour events just because she loves seeing people. She she just she doesn't even care about the golf. She just wants to, to watch watch people. Um, like there's uh, my favorite thing is when you go out to a tournament and you see a woman in high heels. <laughs> Like in like like what like traipsing around all over the course like oh, that is you'll
0: see it you'll see it to me
1: that is spectacular. My mom always told me and my brother, she always said, "Hey, if you ever, if you ever are dating a girl and you take her to a golf tournament and she shows up wearing like anything other than flats or sandals or leave her there like, sneakers like basically anything with a heel that's larger than like half an inch like run the other way." <laughs>
0: I love that your mom can appreciate that,
1: yeah, that's yeah.
0: great now one of the other um stereotypes you you almost kind of said it earlier at a at a golf course, especially a golf course tournament or a golf tournament is uh is the the teaching coach or the the swing coach or or even just like the uh equipment guy like the 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 tour truck traveling guy oh, the, yeah go, the rep the rep I'm, I'm my mind was blanking on that term for a second there but if you go to a tour event especially on a tuesday or a wednesday when the reps are out there trying to make sure that uh, dj's wedges are dialed in that you know rory's got the putter he wants to tinker with that week you go there and these guys they really do they have the same stature as a lot of tour pros they wear their their they button up some of their shirts all the way to the top like Bubba Watson. They wear hats. They look exactly like golfers. And I think they're doing that on purpose because I think they want to be a part of the PJ tour.
1: Alright, the one that the one that just slays me every time I see him. And he, he like he takes it to another level every <laughs> with with every passing tournament that I see him at. And I just like kind of just smirk is Sean Foley. <laughs> He he always just has the loudest outfit on, (laughs) and you know his hair's just like always all spiked up, and he's like impossibly well tanned. Yeah, and yeah, and and then he's always got that he's always got that side satchel. Yeah, that satchel.
0: That's the only giveaway that says hey, you're not swinging clubs today. Well, that and probably his height. But uh, besides those couple things, yeah, he's he's a dead ringer for a guy that's you know. Hundred fortieth and the FedEx Cup standings.
1: Yeah, he's a uh, yeah, he's a character for sure. Um, Besides
0: that, what are your then, uh, what are your other guys your yeah. people that annoy you most with, on a golf course, any golf course at a tournament, or uh, that fit into the golf golf? I'm gonna guy go example. back
1: to Romy. Like, so this isn't golf guy. This is softball guy. But I think there's a parallel with golf guy. Where so Rome's whole thing is like you, you got softball guy and. then got like his eight hundred dollar bat and his family's at home eating ramen noodles because yeah. he's got his eight hundred dollar bat. And and then he bring so he's like if you let if you let a a softball game stick with you for more than like three seconds after you leave the field, like yeah. you are that guy. So that's the same thing with golf. It's like if we go get a beer afterwards and you're still not only did you sulk all day, but you're still bummed about the way you played. Like unless we were playing in a big tournament or something like that's like, you, like you are that guy, you know? And then, and then chances are you probably also have the brand new driver. I think something else too, that's a totally underrated aspect is when people who, people who think they can play blades (laughs) when they're just not that good. Yeah. Like, like that never, that never fails to amaze me. Um, Well, I mean, the, the sweet spot on a blade, is like the size of a you know of a dime, versus yep. you know versus a silver dollar or something—it's it's crazy. And it's like, why would you limit yourself like that just just because you think it looks cool?
0: Well, one th- one thing that's just a common misconception for amateur players is that clubs that are less expensive are going to hinder your abilities. Your abilities are your abilities. Uh, now, a lot of my friends who are maybe a, a 12 to a 20 handicap, they're, they they ask me, what kind of club should I get? Should I get these Mizuno? Should I get these Nikes, uh, which you probably should buy now because they're going to be relics, but wh- should I get these CB2s or should I get the AP1s? That kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I get that question all the time, and I'm constantly telling them, well, for one, you should just go get fitted and not ask me, but two, really just... You know, instead of looking at the $1,000 set of Titleist irons, you should probably just look at the $700 set of game improvement irons that Callaway is coming out with or that, that Ping has released. The fact that it's $300 cheaper is actually a benefit to you because your game is not at the level at which you should be swinging $1,100, 1200 sets of irons. Keep that money. Bring it out to the next. Your know, summer's well, worth I'll of take rounds.
1: I'll to the next step, and I probably shouldn't say this to you because i know you work with a lot of a lot of your advertisers but like i would i tell all my friends who don't play a ton of golf i'm like just go buy used clubs you know because like a lot of them i mean their swing like differs from day to day swing to swing pretty substantially where they're not repeating the same swings even if they get fitted it's like yeah whatever you know and then they can graduate to something else but like you know i've i've really never bought a new set of clubs. I've always just gone to the used rack for irons. Yeah. And I I don't know if I've just gotten lucky or what, but you know, I mean, I I, I think I know enough about them to get, to get it to the point where I don't have to get fitted. I can kind of fit myself a little bit and then make little tweaks here and there to, to, you know, but yeah, I've kind of got a hodgepodge set of just different levels of irons that I like, but it's always been, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think people just put way too much stock in equipment yeah. in general.
0: I mean, someone just go out play. Someone asked me last week. You know, I'm going I'm looking for a set of clubs that are gonna last me a certain amount of time, a certain amount of, like years. Like, I want to have these clubs, these irons, in four years, in six years. Mm-hmm. Should I not get this set of irons off the rack because they're uh, they're perceived as to be worse and they're only gonna last me two? Years? Like, clubs aren't gonna. They're not going to deteriorate when you're playing.
1: Especially if, irons. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing that, you know, driver three-wood or, you know, wedges, obviously, you got to you, know, you got to buy those pretty regularly. But otherwise, irons. I mean, you know, I've tried to get a couple of new sets of irons, and I just keep going back to my old trusty set, you know. And it's just it's more about comfort and confidence right. than it is about the actual club.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at uh... – you look at the kind of things that t- tour players. You see certain tour players stick with a set of irons that, you know, or we're at Ricky Barnes rocking a, a Wilson Staff group mm-hmm. of irons that he's used for years, or or certain clubs like a two iron that they they just really like and they're never getting rid of because honestly they're not even hitting it that much, especially for the amateur who's playing probably at max yeah. f- twelve to fifteen rounds a year. Your glo- you, you, how many swings are you taking? How many? thousands of golf shots you might be taking with one six iron or one seven iron is it doesn't add up and uh, yeah i guess i'd be annoyed at that too and that's that's something that go, uh that jim rome brought up in golf guy was just this guy's got a new set of new set of bats a new set of irons Bat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like i like that he called them bats because uh bats. And, and, and to to continue as you mentioned earlier with softball guy another take from jim rome anytime that you're taking a round of golf back home with you because it was so important that you had to beat your buddy on your Saturday foursome for the second week in a row, that's when it's become too important and you really ruin it for everyone else.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, so I had kind of a wake up call with that a couple of years ago, I was down in Florida, my wife's from Florida, from Naples, and I, I went out and played with her uncle. And her uncle's from Sweden, he's, he's uh, he played on like the, played on the Euro tour for a couple of years, like way back. And so, so this guy's late 50s now, and uh, just he just waxed waxed me all day. Just, <laughs> and we played with a couple of his friends, and his, I didn't play that well. And his friend, one of his friends was kind of a jerk.
0: And, uh,
1: and man, I brought that home with me, and like, Alex was like, how was your round? I was like, I don't want to talk about it, okay? <laughs> like, it was almost exactly to a T that whole softball guy thing. I was like, I don't want to talk about it, okay? It was fine. It was fine. The course was great, all right? I just didn't play well, and, like, I just kept hanging on to it. And then I realized about 10 minutes later, I was like, Oh man, I am that guy right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to so, be that guy. That's funny. Yeah. Hey, I'm glad you had the wake-up call because uh, we've probably all been there, right? There's actually a commercial that uh, – I think it's a BMW commercial, but I could be wrong, where a guy is throwing his clubs – in, like, literally, he's got the trunk open – he chucks his bag in. He chucks his shoes in. He chucks uh, his iron iron in. And I hate this game. I hate this game. And then he turns uh, right when he turns the car on. He says, "All right, we play tomorrow or something like that. Same time next week." Basically, yeah. the idea is that golfers play so much golf that you can't let one round get to you, and that we often will. You gotta just like ease your mind, clear your mind, get over it. Don't be softball guy. Don't be golf guy. Uh, and don't be any of the other guys that Tron and I laid out here or the, or any, basically any type of player that we talked about.
1: Everybody does some of this stuff too. Just don't do it regularly. You know, like sometimes we slip into bad habits or, you know, sometimes you get a little full of yourself and you want to play from the tips. You, You shouldn't be on a tough course, but like you can do that every once in a while. Just don't, it's kind of like bingo. Like, don't don't have like three or four of these things lining up in a row. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, you do not, because there is no gimme in the middle on bingo. Like, if you have three or four of these things, you're trending in the wrong path. You do not want golf guy bingo happening anywhere out there. We can leave it at that. Thanks to Tron for helping highlight the worst people and some of the worst trends we see on just about any golf course out there. Be it your local Muni or even down at the players at TPC Sawgrass. You don't need to play from the black tees. You shouldn't be asking for gimmies. Please stop blaming your golf clubs. Please stop making other excuses. Don't blame the weather. Please play faster. And if you don't play fast, at least let others play through. All these things make golf better for everyone else. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock.